0: So 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 when I, I'm thinking hustle, it's like so.
1: If I had to word association, activist mm. hustle. I think
0: activism is just taking a stand. People um, of
1: color, minorities, existing as themselves fully and embracing the. You hell out don't of
0: you hustle to get something that like is not I'm on struggling. the road. And not only that,
1: everyone's struggling. Well, hustle to me is getting shit though. always a light at the end of the tunnel. I would just say action every day.
0: Let's just jump into it.
1: I'm all over the place, but that doesn't mean that we can't share with the people.
0: <laughs> Let's start there, Rachel. Thanks for opening <laughs> up our episode. Yeah, I, I too feel all over the place, and especially in reflecting on what Sof- Raquel Sofia brought up um, when it comes to the health care and the health system in the United States. Um, I feel very all over the place because there are so many things happening. Um, Do you want to start us off with something that resonated with you or do you want me to do it?
1: You can start.
0: All right. So I'm going to start with something that she said that was like, I really want to learn about our patients and I want to learn about the people that we are serving, but there's no space to do that. Or like, Something to that extent where I was like, why isn't this institute, educational institute, providing the opportunities for students to truly immerse themselves in the community that they are in? Like, why are they still sitting in this bubble of like, yes, you are coming here, you're coming here to learn, but it's not immersed in the community, that to me was wild, but also made me reflect about my experience, not just in higher education, but my experience with the healthcare system. One of the things that really stood out to me from her reflection is that I have identified this issue and it's been coming up a a lot lately. and, And I see it more often and I drew a direct correlation to her reflection of not being immersed in the community. And that issue is the issue of doctors being so removed from their patients that they misdiagnose or like don't take something to seriously and this has led to like disproportionate healthcare for people of color and it speaks a little bit to like our implicit biases like we are living in a country that was you know that we have white supremacy in the roots of it and living through all of the systems and health is not exempt from this like there is racism in the healthcare industry and not just in the fact that we lack doctors of color that we lack doctors who are of all identities and that you know like most people go to like older white doctors um but also the fact that because of that then you can't relate and so so many people have been going to the doctor and women of color in particular have been expressing like Certain symptoms, and they're not taking as seriously or with as or as critical um, or as time you know time critical as other patients. Which to me is wild, but also I too have experienced. And there is while there is truth to wealth being one of the big differences, like people who are living with low income do not have like a primary care physician, right? Like I grew up going to the hospital and having a doctor be the doctor who was there on like on duty that day. And it wasn't until I moved into a, a different town where the income bracket was higher that I learned that people actually have primary care physicians that have been their doctors since they were little, right? And they've been able to carry that. And so while there is that wealth disparity of like, well, wealthy people... Can afford better healthcare and therefore can afford to pay for a private office or this and that. There is also the component of like relatability and not being taken seriously. Um, and as a person who's like an immigrant, it's even harder to like vouch for yourself in the health system um, and and to say like no, like these are my concerns and I really. I need to address this. Like the other thing that it makes me think about is how many women of color who are like Beyonce, Serena Williams, like all of these women's have all of these women have experienced issues when it comes to giving birth and when it comes to their health system. And I wonder why so many women of color are being failed by the system. And then I hear Raquel Sofia say something like we're not immersing ourselves in our community and I'm like That is why, because we are not, one, having enough people who have lived these lives and know what it's like, but two, we're not even immersing ourselves in the community to truly serve them. So how can you be an effective doctor um, or effective in your field if you're so separated from the people that you are serving? So that really stuck with me. And and yeah, and just the fact that like, I just learned that I can order a test. Like, I think that that's the other thing we, and this goes to our education. I might be ranting at this point, but this goes to our education system. Like, just like they don't teach us about taxes, just like they don't teach us how to do a mortgage, just like they don't teach us about credit cards and credit. They don't teach us how to navigate the health system, which is so important. Like you need to know what your routine test should be. You need to know that you can ask for a test of the doctor. I found this out last week through a tweet that I can go to the doctor and say, no, I want this test done and that they're not allowed to say no to me. And if they say no, I say, okay, can you give me the notice letting, you know, documenting that you refuse to give me this test, which is wild to me because we all need healthcare. (laughs) Like it's not, it's part of, it's a primary need. It's a basic need for us to be able to be healthy, just like, Any other need that we have, you know?
1: Yeah, no, totally. And um, just like, wow, you just touched on so many things. I'm so sorry. That's okay. But I think I'll just pick up um, by saying that I'm kind of glad that this episode is coming after Javier's, where we're talking about like the major institution of higher education. It's like now we're talking about this other major institution of like the national healthcare system. And I think you mentioned um, how as as immigrants or like people with low income, like it's don't have primary care physicians, which first of all, there's also, there's like a whole aside I can go on a tangent about how there's a huge shortage of primary care providers in the country. And a huge part of that is because it's some of the lowest paying work as you can have as a healthcare provider. And I think part of it is, like we talked about in Javier's reflection, having this like continuation or this like propagation of a culture where we are keeping this hierarchy where like the same type of people for the past hundreds of years are the same type of people still who are becoming the doctors, who have this like authoritative knowledge over everything in the healthcare system who, would quote unquote know like everything about it and we're supposed to be subjecting to them as their patients but really it's the relationship should be a little bit more equal definitely by now I think in the 21st century and with you saying, like, that you're learning things from tweets, I think, like, that's kind of part of how we get there. Besides, like, exactly, like, representation matters, so seeing people like Rachel Sophia becoming doctors, like, that's super inspirational. And that's where, like, her Instagram page comes in of, like, they're posting about the true stories of women of color who are becoming medical doctors which is not like a narrative that you typically see or like even walking into a doctor's office like you'd typically see or if that's what you're looking for you really have to seek it out and like be aware that it's in that it's something that is going to improve your health um and using Instagram to educate us about how the healthcare system works. Like that's us being millennials. Like that's us using the information. <laughs> being age- active. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> using the age of information to our advantage. Because that's how I have staged up to date about kind of what's happening in, in the world of maternal health and following accounts that are doing a lot of work, like Black Mamas Matter and some other like um midwives that I follow specifically that talk about this stuff on a daily basis. And they just also give great advice. They're like, when you're in the hospital, like in there, in all of the ones I listen to, they're like, when you're in the hospital, having a baby, but when you're in the hospital at all, and people aren't treating you how you want to be treated, or they're exactly like not running the tests that you're asking them to test, or what have you, or they're not giving you an epidural, if you say things like, can I just make it clear that you're refusing to treat me right now? you'll see this like shift in power because they're like, oh, this person knows how to navigate this system. And that's what for the years and generations before us, like they didn't have access to that kind of advice, like on Instagram or on, from tweets, like that you couldn't get that. So I think that we really need to take advantage of it.
0: I agree. And I, I just want to bring up like three more points. <laughs> and, you know, I think you started this reflection saying like, I'm all over the place, and I feel like even in talking with you about it, one, I'm super energized because I really do believe that healthcare should be a basic, you know, right for everybody. Everybody should have equal access to the same type of healthcare, and that drives me wild about this country when it sells itself as like the land of opportunity, but we have so many issues with our healthcare. And I won't get into all of that, but like the cost for epipens or the cost for inhalers or like the fight to just Freaking get birth control and contraception for women is just nuts. But I'm gonna reel it back and I'm gonna make three points. And for the listeners, like I know I'm preaching to the choir, but for those listening that don't really see where the disparities lie in our healthcare system, like I hope this solidifies it for you because to what you said, Rachel, about the same people being the ones that are in authority. The same people creating the policies for healthcare, the same people working in the field, in a place of wealth and power. Um, one of the biggest reflections is like two weeks ago, I think I heard in the news about this woman who was suing. She was an inmate, incarcerated, and and is addicted to opioids, and she filed a lawsuit saying that she needed care, like she she had what they. Said was opioid use disorder, and therefore she needed the right type of health care provider while she was in jail to help her with that disorder. And even just, I mean, it's crazy that they're using this language because at the end of the day, all that it is is that this person is an addict. They are incarcerated, and they are asking for healthcare support to help them rehabilitate themselves. Right. Obviously, like it, it just seems like, ah, uh, duh, like opioid use is a problem. This person's addicted. We need to get them help even though they're incarcerated. How different is the wording that is used when it's about a person of color who was addicted to crack cocaine? Like there was no crack cocaine use disorder. There were no lawsuits that were filed for people helping those that were incarcerated for the use of crack cocaine. In jails, helping them rehabilitate themselves, there was no bills being passed for all the children that were born out of the crack epidemic, and that in itself, like, is systemically, you're leaving out a whole population, and it's because opioid use is mostly done by white people, like that to me was wild and it made me so, so angry. And it's like a blatant example for people that just the words that you use and the people who are in authority are the ones that can navigate, like are the ones that can sell this narrative. And so that's one of my points. My second point is mental health. That's the other thing. Healthcare includes and should include mental health and this country has made strides in the past like decade when it comes to mental health like mental health awareness left and right but people that are being left out of that conversation are people of color and immigrants who come from societies that do not recognize that mental health is a thing that are embedded in this like grit mentality where it's like you're sad suck it up and it's like wait, no, I might really have a mental health issue. And how do I talk to my parents about it? And how do I even, you know, and I know the U.S. itself is dealing with the stigma, but I think we need to do more when it comes to communities that don't even recognize it themselves, as opposed to those who have had the privilege to not only recognize it, but then be able to have access to so many options on how to treat your mental health, right? And not even to mention the disparity between mental health providers. So like- If I'm a person of color and I'm going to talk to my therapist, like, is my therapist going to relate to me or are they just going to say like, I don't know what that is or medicate me immediately. Okay. So then the last thing that I wanted to say was about the disparity amongst men and women. So regardless of race and color, men, like you said, like people who have been in authority and power for a long time, men have been doing this for a really long time. A lot of, you know, like back in the day, as people would say, like all the doctors were men doctors, like women were not doctors when this field was created in the patriarchal world that we live in. But now we've come to a time where I read this thing about this woman who was physically sick, like she had something, something wrong, where like, every time she would get pregnant, she would have a miscarriage, and it would cause her to be so, so sick And she like tried all of these things to get her tubes tied essentially and was like denied every single time because of the way our system is set up and like needed to like go through hoops and needed to like have all these procedures to prove that she needed, like it was so much and it was causing her so much stress that she and her partner decided, why don't you just get a vasectomy? And the guy emailed the doctor and was like, I need a vasectomy. And the doctor was like, great, come in on this day and we'll do it. And that to me was like, how what more examples do we need to show that women and that women of color are being like wronged? The healthcare system is failing our women and, and again our women of color, but it just drives me nuts because it feels like it is a basic right and I'm just so happy people like Raquel Sofia exist that are being the first, although with all the burdens that come with being a first, but are out there and that are really, really advocating for our communities and like fighting that fight for something that all of us are affected by and impacted by.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I really feel like what we're talking about is kind of like the navigating of two major institutions. Like, a lot of the conversation that we've just had is highlighting the struggles of any person in America having to navigate the healthcare system and the level of difficulty. I'm It correlates to your level of income and also to your race, but like literally for anyone in this country, it's difficult to navigate. This system is so complicated and confusing and health insurance is changing all the time. And we just really have to be on top of it, we have to like realize that we have autonomy over our bodies, and that we are in charge of our health, and that f- physicians and healthcare providers are there to guide us in that. And I think that all of us as people have to do that. I think that Raquel Sophia, she is navigating this institution of Harvard Medical School or whatever medical school on a more like general call them out thing, a more general general way like that as a. Her as being an immigrant and a person of color, she's having to navigate that in a totally different way. And especially like highlighting her and I think a lot of people that get into medicine and healthcare, they do it to help other people, but the institutions they go through and the systems that they have to operate in really just knock them down, knock them down so much until they get burnt out that it's hard for them to remember that focus of that they wanted to help people and specifically in her case, like to help other marginalized populations and underserved populations that have been lacking the appropriate and deserved care for years and years and years and years. And her wanting to make a difference in that and not thinking like, Oh, I'm going to one of the most prestigious schools in the country. And then feeling like, Oh, they weren't already doing all of this work around, racial bias implicit biases and microaggressions like that was a huge wake-up call for her and I think that now now especially having talked now to her and Javier and like it's not so surprising that like the people that are finally getting into these spaces like she's the like she said she's the first like her there like that's why it doesn't exist already you know So I think that that is just really important to highlight that even though it's hard, it's for her, it's like so important and her laying that foundation because now that they are creating more of that representation, like people will be able to build on that. And hopefully it it makes both of these major institutions of healthcare and higher education, medical school, whatever, like a little bit easier for everyone to go through, to operate within. Especially people that have like lacked that equal opportunity for so long to have h- healthy lives and a good medical education in a way they can actually help people.
0: Agreed. I couldn't have said said it better. So I think we can leave it there uh, and hand it off to the Raquel Sofias and Rachel Sullivans of the world to continue leading this fight in the healthcare system. Um, But just know that like we are all standing in solidarity with the work that you are doing. I mean, I'm not going to become a doctor, but I know that I'm going to ask questions and that I'm going to use my network when it comes to navigating that space, knowing that it lacks so much um, and that it has such a long way to go. So
1: Yeah, yeah, totally thanks Rachel yeah thank you for this conversation it has re-energized me as I'm preparing to go back to school to be a nurse so it's it's a good one to have
0: (laughs) (laughs) great I hope it re-energized a lot of our listeners too until next time everybody thanks for tuning in talk to you soon bye-bye going to take a moment to thank everybody who made this podcast possible, starting with you, the listener. Without you, there would be no us. I'd also like to thank the Activist Hustle team, starting with Rachel Sullivan, your producer and director, Aaron Taylor, our producer and editor, Brandon Rush, our creator, Amina Chandani for your creative logos and constant creative input. The Yard for lending us your space to record. And a final shout out to Blueprint Leadership. If this episode has at all inspired you to take action, remember, we have support for you. Blueprint is a leadership program made by young activists for young activists. Check out blueprintldc.com services and see how we can support
1: you on your activist hustle.